Blog Talk Radio. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. No one? He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. The word lynching came from his last name. His methods were very simple, but they were diabolical. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. Because obviously, you have lost it. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, AfroNerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. people we're back full live and direct i'm your host d burke aka the afro nerd and welcome to yet another installment of afro nerd radio the midweek in review edition of the show the call in number always the same never changes 646-915-9620 look it's a 90-minute show. It's going to be a kind of a short podcast, short broadcast, but we do get it in thoroughly. At least we try to. You know that I host the show with my partner in White Collar Crime, the Captain, Captain Kirk, and I believe our Grindhouse partner, the great and uncanny Daryl B., he should be making an appearance as well. Also, you know, we try to give you our fair share of insights and humor and so forth information uh yet again you know, they say that death occurs in threes i don't know who the, who the third person is but within 24 hours of each other at least of their announcements 
we know of um, legendary actor and singer Robert Guillaume passes at 89. Those who know him from Benson fame and from Soap during the 70s and 80s. Uh, phenomenal actor. Phenomenal actor. And also singer. I've seen him perform. You know, he was a, he was a triple threat. I mean, this guy could really do it all. And also, you know, we, we promote uh, black rock musicianship, especially on this show. And there would not really be such a thing as black rock musicianship without this, this man. Fast Domino has also left the building, also at the age of 89. So we're going to get it in. We're going to talk about these gentlemen and what they have contributed to society and to our culture. Just um, these times are a trying, people. You know, these folks are so ubiquitous in our culture. You never think, think of them passing. So we'll get into it. Um, you know, I had loaded up one of a, 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 fat, a fat domino tune right before the podcast and now it's not showing. So uh, I will try to load up another one uh, probably toward the mid middle of the show. I mean, these things happen. Ah, technology. It's, it's, it's a mother. All right. Anyway, uh, let's, let's, I would like to go into a fat domino tune, but you know how it is. Let's go to uh, Saul Williams, someone I would perceive to be a progenitor maybe uh, in his own way. This is Dance, the King Brit remix, and then we will get to some Fast Domino, I assure you. Hold on, folks. Let's groove.
right. The great Saul Williams dance King Brit remix. And again, folks, my apologies for not having the Fats Domino in honor and homage of Fats Domino. I, I tried loading up something else again, so we will try it during one of our breaks. Anyway, folks, we're back. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd, and he is the captain. Captain, you're needed in engineering as always. Let's get to it, sir. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. was coming in if not then you know the show must go on uh, as just for the folks who are wondering well why would I mention Daryl well because of a new opportunity for Daryl um, he is unable to uh, do the grindhouse show at least he will be he will be unable to do, to do the grindhouse show our more pop culture infused broadcast um, at least for a couple of months and then things will normalize and I'm sure he will be back for our Saturday 6 p.m. show, but as a compromise, and really it's, it's, it's interesting to hear his point of view outside of pop culture stuff. I mean, even though we do talk about pop culture here on Wednesdays, but it's more and more about society, uh, econ- economics, world politics. It's, it's a, an amalgam of things on Wednesday. He drops by to give you his insight. So he might be dropping by uh, today. Anyway, um, you know what, right before, we get into this uh, Fast Domino and Robert Guillaume thing. I, our friend Joseph Illich, the number of of uh, businesses or a, a number of houses, as they would say in the comic book industry, DC, Marvel, and so forth. Now, uh, and also the great Milestone Media, which uh, we're led to believe will be returning Milestone Part uh, 2.0. Um, he's with Lion Forge, folks. Definitely pick up. His books, which are, uh, if anything, they would be. A, it serves as, a, as an imprint for uh, minority characterization, black, black, brown, yellow, and so forth. So anyway, just for s and giggles, I got to think about this one. I'm looking at a tweet that he sent out, and it says, "When an alternative universe Wonder Woman is black, the publisher is trying to gaslight black people." into thinking it respects black people. I got to think about that. Let me repeat that. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to what the captain thinks about that statement. I, I get it, but you have to kind of think about it. As a matter of fact, he has like a meme of a guy with a quizzical look. Uh, matter of fact, I'll even put the tweet in our chat room. What do you think he means by that? When an alternative universe Wonder Woman is black, the publisher is trying to gaslight black people into thinking it respects black people. And then we'll get into uh, our, our uh, passings of some notables. I, I think nothing really to think about. I think that's a direct statement. <laughs> you know, there's nothing coded about that. 
<clears throat> and it's a direct statement. So I see that. That's, that's exactly how I do feel about it. It's just like more or less when you're not creating a character and putting them up on a big pillar so everyone can see it versus taking somebody that's already known, it can look that way. And let me just pacify people and give them that and then go right back to our regular dealings. <laughs> Haven't we seen that a million times before? Yeah, that kind of goes no, back to what I said. Uh, go ahead, Kat. Yeah, that's pretty much how I see it. You know, that's all. I thought it was I thought it was pretty uh straightforward. But I think that sometimes I, I think this is kind of uh dovetailing off of our discussion from the Grindhouse show. But I said that I was a little a little bit irked when I had attended this past New York Comic Con where I saw so many folks of color actively invested in yes, white IPs. Now, there should be some of that because, you know, we collectively, we imbibe in the culture. So you have black women uh, buying and investing in Wonder Woman like everybody else. But at the same token, I saw so much of an overabundance of it that I felt a certain way. Like, wait a minute, we have black heroes that need to be, we need to be delving into just because we're trying to get a culture going, we're trying to get some, some finances going, you are trying to get an infrastructure going, just like Lion Forge represents black infrastructure, not that dissimilar, or I should say minority uh, infrastructure, not that different from when there was a Canadian black hockey league or a black football league. And now we're now because of Trumpism, you know, the Master P's and the, the P. Diddy's are talking about that. Um, but we should be about that anyway. So anyway, that might be something we can dig into more deeply for Saturday's show. But I thought it was an interesting statement. All right, folks. Uh, again, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. Um, so we have some iconic figures that have left the building. I'm always saying that as a euphemism. Men that were of, of the same age, actually. You know, they were both closing in on 90, so if you're able to make it close to a century, until we get this new medication and the sciences and the nanites, and I do believe in that stuff, um, we may not be able to see, uh, our generation may not be able to see those kind of medical, um, those kind of medical breakthroughs, but anyway, it still hurts, I'll be that, I'll say that frankly. Fats Domino, Antoine Fats Domino Jr. passes at the age of 89 yesterday. And uh, first, the irony about Fats Domino is a couple of things going on here. One is about, what, uh, 12 or 13 years ago, we thought that he had passed because of Hurricane Katrina. His name came up because they couldn't find him, and luckily he was found in, in good shape. But, uh, again, there was a report that was out, because I remember it, and I remember I was affected by it because, I mean, first of all, 
I, I remember looking at TV and looking at, you know, the, the, the disaster and the, the bodies and the horror shows. I mean, Katrina was, I mean, heck, I remember uh, seeing folks walking around New York who described themselves as uh, Louisiana transplants, Katrina transplants. So Katrina was real. And someone as as famous as Fast Domino, when his name came up, I was like, wow, this this is really real. So anyway, we found out that he had survived that. His his home had been destroyed. But I believe that at some point he was able to actually get it back um, rebuilt. So who was Fast Domino? Fast Domino was one of the central figures of the rock and roll movement. And I've said this before. Rock and roll is the the rebranding of race music, simple and plain. The term race music applied to rhythm and blues artists during the 30s and 40s. Louis Jordan name, Louis, the great Louis Jordan's name pops up when the, when there's a discussion of race music. That was race music was black folks music. Before you started getting into hip-hop and R&B and soul, it was called race music. So the rebranding of it, when you started seeing white performers performing essentially their interpretation of black music, and we see this to this day, um, Eminem is aware of this. He's aware of it. So if you can get to to this day, if you can get a white person to perform with the soul and fervor of a black person, you hit a home run, even to this day. But it was it was especially profound in the fifties. So uh, you had Alan Freed. Alan Freed was the top DJ of his time. And Alan Freed, who later got caught up in a payola scandal, and payola still exists to this day, payola meaning pay to play for certain records, certain artists. He dubbed the term rock and roll. And rock and roll is a euphemism for, for sexuality, rock and roll. So, Fats Domino, Little Richard, uh, Chuck Berry, those, are the, those were the top-tier black performers that had a great deal of crossover appeal. I mean, when you think about 1950s music, his name is right there. And I believe he was fairly, in later years, as far as, far, as, far as finances are concerned, he was still performing in advanced age. But Fast Domino sold around 65, 70, 70 million records. So if you, when you are in that, that, that kind of, uh, when you're doing that kind of math, who knows how much money this man really should be, really should be worth. But back then, and even to this day, really, but especially back then, black artists were most certainly screwed. I think someone like a Ray Charles, and the irony is that Ray Charles, who was blind, to see, in quotes, well enough 
to own his masters. Not so many people were that uh, and th- that knowledgeable to own their own masters. I don't know the state of Domino's ownership, but he was certainly uh, a proficient songwriter, had some major hits, and again, you know, Blueberry Hill, which I believe was actually a remake. I think um, uh, who Gene Autry, I believe, performed Blue, Blueberry Hill, but uh, it's so it's such a signature song for Platts Domino, his version of it. Uh, Ain't that a shame? From '55 was another song that uh, like I think it's really his first crossover mainstream hit was "Ain't That a Shame." Just an incredible performer, and this you know again, Fast Domino was making probably ten or fifteen thousand dollars a week in the fifties which was a hell of a lot of money. And again, this is at the time, you know, Pat Boone, you know, we know Pat Boone, um, uh, actor and singer, uh, very white, <laughs> not to take anything, the father of Debbie Boone, not to take anything away with, with him, but I'm mentioning white just in his, in his, in his demeanor. Now he was, he was, he was not uh, an Eminem type of white person. So it was clearly, a, a stint to to have a, a black person like usurp what I'm sorry to have a white person usurp what a black person was doing. So he did Pat Boone did a cover of Ain't That a Shame. He he did um Tutti Fruity we know which was which is with uh, Little Richard. So I I mention these things just to, to let you know that this man was so talented, excellent pianist. Uh, the Oracle would play. Fast Domino songs in our in in the household, so I, I I grew up knowing fully who Fast Domino was, uh, a New Orleans staple of Creole extraction, um, Creole with the big C, <laughs> white Creoles or small C, uh, I think I think it's, I think I think that's how it goes, yeah, and the big C is, is with black folk, I think, um. And just one other thing too, we have to remember that early early rock and roll music was the precursor for what we now know to be um, the races being able to, to 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 co-mingle over. I mean, that was where whites and blacks started to actually break down the the, the color barrier. These teens, they didn't they they just could not. The music was so infectious, they just couldn't stop but uh, get together over this music. And it caused a problem because you would see footage, and you can go to YouTube now and see footage of, of uh, white parents being very upfront about, quote-unquote, nigger music, and their kids losing their minds over this. Um, even Elvis Presley caught a little bit of flack because of his, quote-unquote, salacious moves. Again, going back into... The 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 um, the soul and sexuality of black folk. If a white man could mimic that, all hell breaks loose. So um, he had a lot to do. A lot of his, a lot of his. Uh, it was like there were riots also at Domino concerts. Be- a lot of them do because of the racial commingling, which was something that um, was very taboo in the fifties. 
So uh, with a heavy heart, uh, another great one. I mean, we're talking about a really ubiquitous, iconic figure. Fats Domino has left the building. Excellent pianist. Songs are still being played. And again, around 60, over 60 million records sold. We can't even buy records anymore. Well, in theory, you know what I mean. Cap, any thoughts on Fast Domino? And then we'll talk about Robert Guillaume, and then we'll move forward. Well, there's nothing really much I could add, except that he did a great job there, Afternoon. except for the fact that if you didn't know anything about Fast Domino, you probably didn't live on the planet. <laughs> or you lived out in the woods somewhere. You had to know something about this man. This, that's just how powerful his music is. Other than that, Nothing more to add to what you were saying. You did a great job, sir. Oh, thank you. And I see that the Uncanny has arrived. Um, I didn't even look at the board. I was just kind of just in my own. I zone out sometimes when I'm just, you know, when I really know a topic, I can just go on and on and on. Uh, and just, let me bring the Uncanny. I'm pretty sure he's also he's also a musicologist. Uh, you know this gentleman. It really doesn't need an introduction. Uh, musicologist, uh, uh, eidetic memory. I think he likes that. It's just like a superpower. Uh, Definitely a sports enthusiast, certainly a comic book uh, PhD. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to, to get his, his impressions of Fast Domino. I just got to say one quick thing. I'm pretty sure Daryl would say the same thing. Uh, uh, again, for those who would say they do not know and they never heard of Fast Domino, that whole notion of him like being ever-present, even though the music's changed and all that whole thing, you know, Happy Days, American, American Graffiti, uh, George Lucas's American Graffiti, which is a, has a lot to do with his personal childhood. Anytime, anytime you do to this day a 1950s period piece um, cinematically, you better believe you're going, to, you're going to have some fast domino in the background. There's just, there's just no way. There's just no way. Go to the uncanny. Hey. Howdy, everyone. What's up, man? Um, well, you go with Fat Domino. I will say it like this: You have heard Fat Domino without even thinking you've heard Fat Domino. Why? Why? I don't listen to that music. I've never heard Fat Domino. Yo, what what was the 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 A and E series with um where, where they dealt with that marketing firm? Oh, that was. Uh... Blank well, men or something like that? Mad men. Mad men. You heard Fats Domino. At All in the bunker? You've heard Fats Domino. <laughs> Blues Brothers! You've definitely heard Fats Domino. <laughs> you know that? Um, Animal House? Fats Domino. Bachelor Party? Fats Domino. Um, even stuff like The Departed had... Songs that use Fat Domino samples, all right? This dude was universal. Hell, if you even ate at the Hard Rock Cafe, you want to know who one of the part owners of that was? Fat Domino. Again, the dude performed until late 70s until recent years he performed literally up until his death and he got people standing and clap rest in peace sir blueberry hill won't be the same without you oh man uh really man uh wasn't that even you know the kind of the running joke with richie cunningham 
didn't he also kind of go into that shtick when he would sing the song? Like when he was about to. See, his memories are coming back to me. When the yeah, it became a shtick. It, it did become a shtick where, where, where you'll catch him humming it. There's some episodes where you catch him humming it. Like he'll hum a few things when he got nervous or something, and it was it was Blueberry Hill that he was humming. I don't think that was written in the script. I think that was just him. Just it it, it was such a catchy tune that once once he got a little nervous or he got impatient. Mm-hmm, oh what? Okay, ready. Well, when he was when he was when he thought he was getting somewhere with a young lady, you know, someone asked him, "Well, what happened?" He wouldn't answer the question. He would just say, I found my thrill. And then everybody started dying because that was a way for them. That was cold. You know, so yes. I just yes. remember that. You know what I mean? That, that, that goes, that's a testament to that man's talent, man, for real. Uh, yeah, rest so, in peace. So, yeah, so, so anybody who says, well, I don't see why he's so, so important. I've never heard oh, of him. You, you've heard oh, of him. Man. I've never heard his music. You've heard his music. Heard it. All right. It, 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 I found my thrill. Yeah, it's. But let's face it. There's like four performers in this lifetime that you'll always hear their music. All right, no matter no matter what walk of life you are, there's four performers. All right, Prince, Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, Fats Domino. Enough said. Exactly. Um, let's let's move into let's let's move into let's move into Robert Guillaume, another heavy hitter. That uh, again, we're talking about these folks that have been around forever. Now, Robert Guillaume is is an interesting character. He's, he's always such a dignified man, and he, he was one of those figures that even as a mature. First of all, I've I've always known him as like an, an adult. Like you know, normally you would see people even if you're even if you are a kid, you might come across. Uh, these folks when they were like younger and then they, they, they mature. But uh, we remember, I remember first seeing Robert Guillaume, obviously from the soap TV series and the soap TV series really uh, had a quite a few folks like Billy Crystal um, was on there. Uh, who else was on there? Uh, it was like uh, Ted, Ted. Uh, uh, now I'm going through the cast now. I can't think of everybody. I can't think uh, Lynn Moody. Uh, attractive black actress. They, that particular um, series was very groundbreaking because they were attacking certain taboos for, uh, I think, ABC. I think it was on ABC, where uh, it was very controversial. The fact that, I forgot the gentleman's name, the actor's name, but his first name is Ted. He ended up playing uh, Inspector Gadget, like the sequel to Inspector Gadget, whatever his name is, Ted something. Anyway, he had a relationship with Lynn Moody. That was an interracial couple. Um, uh, we saw that Billy Crystal played a, a gay dude. Like, all that stuff was, was, like, unheard of for 1970s television. So, anyway, Robert Guillaume played somewhat of a stereotypical character. I, why, let, me, let, me put, let me rephrase it. He was not stereotypical, but the... But the, uh, the character's vocation was stereotypical. But I think because of Robert Guillaume's gravitas, like the actor himself, he made that transition. Because he played this, this kind of sassy, but like low-key, low-key sassy black 
butler on soap. And he was so good with it, so snarky, that he was able to, tra- able to, to uh, segue that into playing, having his own series. So there was a spinoff from Soap called Benson that ran for many years. And uh, now, so now, now I'm thinking of one of the actors on there ended up playing on Star Trek. Isn't that correct, Daryl? Yes, I believe so, yeah. You know, the one that played, um, uh, he was, he, he was uh, Neelix. The actor that, the actor that played Neelix came from Benson. Oh, oh well, also, now that I think about it, um, see, I gotta make, I'm always making, uh-huh. I'm searching DS9. for the sci-fi. That's, I thought you were going DS9 first. Yeah, the, 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 the sci-fi connection starts to, starts to come in. Um, he also has a French surname. René Abergenoir. René Abergenoir. He also comes from Benson, but was ended up going to uh, DS9, the shapeshifter. So uh, Guillaume ends up, you know, for, I think for a moment he was still a, a butler, but then he was able to become lieutenant governor. So he made that transition. So you saw kind of, I guess it's almost analogous to the rise of the black middle class. I hate to put it that way, but that's what it comes. It kind of comes off that way that he's this butler and then ends up becoming lieutenant governor uh, with his own show. I, he was on a lot of in a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. Uh, he gets his bones from from Broadway, from the stage. So he was a, a, a very proficient and prolific stage actor. He was. Uh, in Porgy and Betts in the 60s production of, of, the, of that um, play, he plays Sport and Life from Porgy and Betts. So, I mean, again, we're talking about a guy that was extremely, extremely talented. And also, you know, you're going to keep it 100, he was kind of always around. I mean, at some point in advanced age, I no longer saw him. But, you know, growing up, Robert Guillaume, man, he was, he was pretty much everywhere. So uh, another one, uh, passing at advanced age, he had, um, unfortunately, had prostate cancer. But at 89, uh, he, too, left the building uh, actually the same day. It looks like I'm looking, at the, I'm looking at the dates. He died on October 24th, which is the same day that Fast Domino passed. So it's kind of it's, – it's, um, it's black excellence leaving the planet. I just hope that uh, we're able to – Folks, folks that are in our generation and and after, really appreciate these folks. I'm looking at some of some other things he's done. He did some voiceover for Captain Planet and the Planeteers, so uh, he will be missed. He will be missed. I just remember that he was. I, I saw him doing comedic stuff as well as dramatic stuff. So he really was a beast. Any thoughts, Daryl? Lean on me. Oh yeah, Lion yeah, yeah. King. And folks, if you've never seen Sports Night, see Sports Night. Guillaume famously had a stroke during one of the final seasons of the show. I remember that. And then he makes a return. And I can honestly say I cried when he made the return. The way they played the scene with the two anchors uh, the whole theme behind Sports Night is essentially it's Sports Center. 
It's like it's like a, a, a comedy, a dramedy surrounding this sports show. And he plays the he plays the the program di, di, uh, director, and he uh, he's the guy that keeps the two egos of the two main sports writers or sportscasters in line almost. And then when he goes down with his stroke, which happened in real life, they they pulled him off of the show for the very almost the very same reason. And you can see how the quality of the show starts dipping, and everybody's on a razor's edge and everything. And when he makes the appearance, I don't know. It's always been a trope. I don't know if they were actually told before that day of the shoot that he was making his return. So generally, when he appears on that first scene you have where he comes in and the, they show the cast waiting there and they show the cast emotion, that was genuine because they didn't know he was going to show up that day. They knew that there was going to be a part written in that, that he may do from television or, or on the screen or stuff like that, but they didn't expect him to be on the set. At least that's the myth I heard. Uh, we we our crowd is smart as heck. If anybody's got the answer, it's out there. But that is the TV myth I've always heard that Guillaume. They didn't tell the rest of the cast that Guillaume would physically be on the set for that scene, and that helped drive the emotion of that scene. And that's the thing everybody remembers because he comes on the scene. Everybody on that set got emotional. I know. My sister and my mom, who, who love watching the show, they hate watching SportsCenter, but they love watching that show, they got emotional, and I know I got emotional. Mr. Guillaume, rest in peace, sir. Back to you, Yeah, you know, once again, something's wrong with the boards because I uploaded uh, Ain't That a Shame twice. So it, it is, it, it, ironically, it is a shame that I couldn't get this uh, iconic uh, crossover hit on our boards, but... Uh, it is what it is, folks. Anyway, this is the Midweek Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. And also now, the Uncanny Daryl B., at least for the duration. Um, let, let's move forward. I'm not even going to play uh, a song. Let's get into this thing. Uh, this is kind of a lesser-known story, but I thought it was pretty interesting. And I'm wondering how, if this gentleman received any, any blowback for what he did, uh, Stevie Wonder. You know, Stevie Wonder is a national treasure. I mean, he's like our, one of our last remaining real musicians. Um, and I, I kid you not. I mean, when you got Fats Domino leaving the, leaving the room, when Stevie Wonder leaves, man, and Stevie Wonder's around 66, 67. I mean, you know, Stevie Wonder used to be little Stevie Wonder, so time flies. Uh, unquestionably a musical genius. And he's always been very conscious. That's one thing you have to say about Stevie Wonder, and when I and when you use Stevie Wonder as a template for other artists, it, it it really you start to really see the stark difference in just being someone who who he even said I think when he was um, well let me get to the story and it's it's a lot of irony involved in this. Stevie Wonder um, performs the national anthem, and he I believe it's some game, and he kneels, he kneels while performing the national anthem with his famous harmonica. And I think at some point he says uh, that, well, you know, he's never seen his skin color. 
and he can't see someone else's skin color. So, you know, that, which is real. I mean, he's a blind, blind musician. So when he puts it in that context and also deals, also being black and doing this obviously as, an, as a double entendre, it's a, an overture to the, the possibilities of, of, pay, of what this country could, should stand for. It's been widely misinterpreted as to why these, these players are kneeling. But he's kneeling for what, for the potential of the flag, the national anthem, the country. Uh, but it all, he's also kneeling in solidarity with the NFL players. So um, I thought that it was ironic that he, you know, he said that he couldn't see color, but, and yet, you know, he clearly knows what it means. He clearly knows blackness quite well, where so many of our artists, especially these new artists, just aren't that conscious. I mean, this gentleman was was very like almost almost wholly wholesale responsible for Dr. King getting his holiday, and we know he has the Dr. King uh, Happy Birthday song. And I think some people use Happy Birthday as like anybody's birthday, but it's in homage to Dr. King's getting the Dr. King holiday. So um, I don't know if we really got into this. I think we've been, we've been in and out of this story. This story is, it goes it goes back and forth. The president will probably bring it up again. Um, this whole idea of these players not being patriotic and all this. Uh, but when Stevie Wonder does that, what does that mean? I, I don't know if he's gotten any blowback on that. Daryl, any thoughts on someone as iconic as Stevie Wonder, handicapped, doing that? Not his first time kneeling for it, but definitely the mo- uh, since Kaepernick, the most powerful words to come from it. All right, uh, kudos to Mr. Wonder, you know, and um, like I said, a lot of people have co-opted the the action and have shrouded the message. But Stevie, and I'm going to phrase it this way, and you guys are going to hate it, Stevie Wonder's never lost sight of what the message was. Totally ironic because Stevie Wonder's Stevie Wonder. Like you said, he's never seen color. He just knows who he is. He just knows what he is or what he's supposed to be. And he he felt a kinship with this and he's been the, that that's where that's where this this thing gets to be funny, right? If you're feeling outraged of Stevie Wonder kneeling for the anthem, ask yourself why a blind man would be kneeling for that. Just ask yourself why. Okay? But, like, Cap Cap hit us with an article, what, uh, Cap, about six hours ago? You, you, You sent that article through Twitter, and I went, hey, that's why... Whatever disagreements I had with Kaepernick uh, in regards to that article and New York cops and people of color, most specific and incidents, that's why I said, hey, I I may have had a problem at the start, but guess what? Everything validated him. I have no problem with that, but but hey, continue continue your beefing, rest of the world. Continue your beefing, cops. You know, but here's Stevie Wonder doing it. 
I can't wait to see what hate mail and stuff you're going to send Stevie Wonder because guess what? <laughs> I can't see it. Yeah, Stand-up guy. The thing, is with the, 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 the thing with this whole thing, it's amazing how the masses, not everybody, but the masses, they just lost track of the whole thing. Media, Trump, you know. Trump might be brilliant at misdirection. <laughs> Makes you look this way while his hand goes over. Might be brilliant at that. You know? Why was Kaepernick doing what he was doing? Why? You know? Why was he doing what he was doing? Was it disrespect the disrespect of the flag? He didn't care, but it wasn't about the flag. It's about police brutality. That's it. That's the reality. And that, that just falls to the back. You know, they throw something else in there. Just falls entirely. It, it's just gone now. It's not even there anymore. Oh, you got a problem with the flag. You got a problem with the flag. You got a problem with the flag. You know? Crazy, boy. Crazy how, how this thing, this whole thing works out. Mm-hmm. It becomes, it almost becomes he say, she say, he say. You know, it's incredible. Back to you, Alfred. Yeah, you know, I, I gotta say something on this, and it's something that's been on my mind for for, for some for some time. And I think it's so funny how long this 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 topic has been floating around because I remember having this this discussion with Daryl at the last Afro Punk. You remember we had like a little bit of a discussion yep. on this, Daryl? It was there was the, the Afro Punk of 2016. When mm-hmm. Kaepernick first did it, and I think you you at the time weren't necessarily uh, uh, about it because you being uh, honorably serving in the in the military, uh, you you felt a certain way about it. But I think mm-hmm. as time has gone as time has gone on, I think it's become a lot more clearer as to why Kaepernick did, has done what he, he, he has done. Uh, uh, he's no longer playing football, and and the funny thing is that. It's not even about him anymore because he can't he can't even play football. It's already gone be it's on already gone beyond him. It's become he's become more of a symbol of it. But, oh wait, you didn't uh, hear? You didn't hear. Well you Here's your breaking news. Breaking news. NFL owners are finally going to meet with Kaepernick next week. Then they should have did it in the beginning. They could have squashed all of this in the beginning. But they didn't want to. So this thing is taking a life of its own. And guess what? They made money off of it. Like, like Cap, Cap's got the figures somewhere on his hard drives. Because remember, still in the top ten of NFL jersey sales, Cap and the uh, 49er jerseys. They're still making money off of this dude. He can't play for them. But people in wanting to be solid in solidarity with Kaepernick were buying his jersey. They were still paying. This is the hilarious thing about this. And then when certain people go, "This is anti-American. This, it's against the flag. It's against the veterans. It's against." Remember what I said at that Afropunk. I don't necessarily agree with the way that he's going through it, but watch some elements validate him in the end. And sure enough, it didn't take long. It took a month 
before they pumped it. And remember, he started doing this in a preseason game. And they, they uh, Cameron Shulham, oh, my God, what is he doing? Isn't that against America? What is he doing? What about our veterans? What is he doing? What's he doing? And Kaepernick's like, I was inspired by a teammate's uh, family's battle. I've never had a touch on me. But you know what? It's wrong. And if my kneeling can bring light to this and bring table to talk and try to shed some light on some unjust actions, then any fervor will be worth it. Now, I don't think back then he thought, I'm going to totally blow my my chances at having a million-dollar job the next year. But he's lost the job. Now ask yourself, fans that are against Kaepernick who thought, oh, this is all a publicity stunt, how anti-American is he? You look at what he's done. Is he that much fake? Isn't what he's doing the American thing to do? You know who recognized it? Stevie Wonder. Lights out. Turn off the stereo. Back to you, Afrinerd. Yeah, I, I got to say a couple of things. I, try, I really try to be brief, but it's, it's just some things that were in my head as time has gone on that uh, even had me interpret, interpret or reinterpret my thoughts on Black Lives Matter. You know, I, you know we've said on this show that I've deconstructed Black Lives Matter in, in some ways. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into it so deeply, but I, you know, essentially I felt like, okay, yeah, I agree with Black Lives Matter if it applies to all Black Lives Mattering, but Long-time listeners know what I mean by that. Um, But when I started to actually become more comfortable with my interpretation of Black Lives Matter and my interpretation as to to how I felt these NFL players were being treated and and this anger towards black players. I mean, no one's actually saying the black guys, but the visuals say everything. The The visuals are white people feel a certain way or have their own interpretation of patriotism, and black folks have their own interpretation of patriotism. And what we never are able to actually talk about is black folks always have to do this. That is the, that is the black experience. The black experience since we've been here in the Americas, from the hulls of ships, has been always trying to prove our humanity and, black fo- and white folks being resistant to it. White folks had problems with the abolition mu- uh, movement. They had problems with escape, escape slaves. I mean, they even had a scientific term for a slave that chose to, an enslaved African, I should be more uh, accurate, a, a, an enslaved African that chose to not be a slave anymore. Um, uh, Drapetomania Drapetomania Was this pseudo-scientific term that, that was some kind of psychological delusion As to why a black person would want to escape You had to be sick, to, you had to be sick As a black person to want to not be a slave anymore So they called it Drapetomania um, When you think of all the black soldiers that died 
in a segregationist military. I think of, matter of fact, it's a comic book I'm pretty sure that Daryl is, is um, familiar with. It's a graphic novel, actually. I didn't even finish reading it. The great Max Brooks, Mel Brooks's scion, along with Kanan White. I think, is, is Kanan White the brother, Daryl, that is also did Uber? He was the, the artist for Uber? I believe so. I think so. Anyway, uh, the Harlem Hellfighters, which I think he's making into a movie. There's a graphic novel series about that. And the Harlem Hellfighters really were the precursor to the Tuskegee Airmen. But you're talking about the the 369th Infantry. Uh, Also, some men, Bariquas in there also, Puerto Rican-Americans as well as African-Americans during World War I and World War II. Let's say World War I. Uh, The Men of Bronze, they were also called, the Men of Bronze. Now, what does this have to do with patriotism? I can talk about story after story after story of black soldiers that would sacrifice their lives, that would perform in extraordinary ways during these campaigns on the battlefield. I mean, I'm talking about extraordinary ways and not get the props from their government and and still not be considered um, American citizens in the full sense of the word. No, you were still a second or tertiary class citizen. I mean, that's just what it was. I mean, there's one story, and now I'll move things along, but this is, what, this is what's in my head. One story of, uh, I forgot the soldier's name, but he was in France fighting off Germans during World War I, and it, 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 it came off that this, this man really fought off and a measurable, amount, a measurable amount of German soldiers by himself. But like he was shot in the foot and still fighting. Where when they came, when, when um, French soldiers saw like the aftermath of this battle, there was this black man and everybody else dead. They saw five soldiers, five Germans dead, but there, there might have been upwards of 20 people out of, it, out, out of here by this one man. He gets the props, like the, like the French Medal of Freedom or whatever, the French, French, I forgot the French equivalent, but he gets the highest medal from, from France. Doesn't get his props from America. Doesn't get, doesn't get like an American Medal of Freedom or anything until like 80 years later. And at the time, we had these, so, these black soldiers performing with, with like T'Challa level. I'm going to bring it to to T'Challa level feats where people are like, how did this, how did like one black guy take out like 20, 20 white Germans? Uh, the French had no problems like giving the accolades to these men. But at some point, the American government, your American government would tell these French people, lay low. We, you know, stop doing, stop giving these, these black guys props because we don't want them thinking that they're equal to us. Now these are people fighting for America, for, for for America, and not getting props for it. And when they do get props for it, you talk about almost a hundred years later. This is black patriotism versus white patriotism. So when so when these white people, and I'm I'm not lambasting all whites, but specifically these white people that, that just kind of gloss over the reason why Kaepernick did what he did. This is why, because there's there's this, always this constant. Hitting up against the wall. When it was civil rights, 
You didn't like that. There's never a point in history where black people do something, but when it's over and done with, you act like it never happened. So, I mean, that, that's what it is. That's what black – there is a difference between black patriotism and white patriotism, and I just told you a, a, a tip of the iceberg of some of the effery that is the black experience as to why black folks are dealing. And it was a soldier, and, and all, in all respect to, to Kaepernick – Kaepernick sat the first time. Then he went to a soldier who said, who asked him, "What do you think is a more a more fitting way to, to to deal with this?" And he suggested kneeling. You kneel for your wife's hand in marriage. You kneel in church. You kneel when you're about to get knighted. You kneel in you reverence. Kneel for the, yeah, in, in any in any other context, kneeling is very referential. It's really a, it's really like a plea. I mean. To tell you the truth, based on what I said, what I said, you could see black folks, you know, sitting down and giving a finger. Now, I wouldn't approve of that, but I would understand it, like Chris Rock. I wouldn't approve. I would understand that. Black folks aren't even doing that. They're just not doing what you want them to do. Enough said. Enough said. And, and, and again, as we bring this up, let me welcome back Jamel Hills back to the fold. And um, and again, for all those who wonder if it, this ain't a if this this isn't a, a a thing specifically targeted at black people, think about how hard that dude has come at Kaepernick, NFL players, and Jamel Hill. Now think about how hard he went after the dude that shot as shot up Las Vegas. Causing all those deaths, and uh, which one is more anti-American? Just ponder that, people. Ponder that. Oh, just something, just for anecdotal, uh, just to kind of throw it out there. Some some of the central figures I grew up with, like the the Oracle would tell me about, uh, the O'Davises, Benjamin O'Davis Sr. and Benjamin O'Davis Jr. Ben, Benjamin O'Davis, uh, Benjamin Oliver Davis Sr. was the first black. Uh, general of the U.S. Armed Forces, and he was also a member of the Men of Bronze, the Harlem Hellfighters. So, I mean, you know, Benjamin o. Davis like was like just one of those names that I grew up with that you just I just had to know. So the fact that there isn't a movie about him is, is incredible, and to think that uh, we might see a movie about the Harlem Hellfighters. That that would really that would really be incredible. I mean, black black folks really need to know their history, man. To know to know their greatness. Um, it, it, it's it is necessary. It really is. Well, like like Cap says, all right. And again, this 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 is something straight out of the Cap book. The information's out there, but some black people just don't want to learn it. And I'm being nice about how Cap would say it, too. All of this information is at our fingertips if you know where to look. It's a combination of A, it's a combination of A, not wanting to look, and B, not knowing where to look. And the scale... Nice. Yeah, the, the scales between the two is always changing, but it's never changing for the enlightened. That's the problem. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, listen, we're, we're, one thing about comic books and stuff, they do give you, they give you the, um, they give you the fantastic. You know what I mean? Everything, when you say like, the mythology, I mean, we know this is like kind of an extension of, of Roman mythology, Greek mythology. It's a modernized take on it. But they do give you the idea of the fantastic. And when you think about the black experience and some of the some of the absolutely incredible things. I mean, when I heard about this guy taking out all these Germans by himself while he was shot in the foot, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's an incredible story that, that it has to be a cinematic. Um, I remember seeing something. I think it was um, uh, what's his name, the the, the documentarian, uh, who always does the documentaries, Daryl. Baseball. Ken Burns. Ken Burns, thank you. Ken Burns has an excellent jazz special, by the way. I was obsessed with the jazz. It's going back maybe 10 years ago now or more. He has a uh, he's jazz, baseball. Uh, so um, he had he had a PBS special on Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson's widow, widow is still with us. And there was a part a part that really that really shook me when they had. They had mentioned I mentioned this on air before, but it, it's kind of like a superhero thing, but it's also like a backhanded compliment. You don't know how you don't know how to take it. But when they first saw Jackie Robinson's exploits on the field, like Jackie Robinson did something so incredible that he did it like like it's like, it's like Mike, Michael Jordan doing what he was doing, and you look at this guy like how the hell did he do that? Like it's like superhuman. So, uh. Jackie Robinson did some kind of play on the field. Like, he, 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 like, jumped over some dude and then made this play. Like, you know, he did, like, two or three different movements effortless, effortlessly. And one of, the, one of the players, one of the white players, again, this is at the time where he just broke the color barrier, was speaking to another white player, looking at something that Jackie Robinson had just done physically. And he said, I've never seen a human being do that before. Do you think that that they're human? Talking about black people, <laughs> like like by extension. First of all, there's a lot of ways of looking at that. It's, it's, it's just one man. Jackie Robinson is just one dude, right? But all of a sudden, it morphed into, do you think that they're human? I, yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, well uh, one of these days. We're going to have to do that show to break down race when it comes to sports. One of these days, because cause I know Cap Cap's heard a lot of this. You know, there's still those stigmas, and I know I know you guys had to have discussed the Jeremy Lin Kenyon Martin thing. Of okay. course we did. All right, you go like, but th- these stigmas are always ever present and it doesn't matter how educated how many tools how many smartphones how many computers they have knuckleheads are going to be knuckleheads (laughs) the problem is now we have knuckleheads in the wrong place possible and it taints everything coming down the line 
And yes, you were right. Canaan White was also uh, behind Uber. I just uh, I just picked up, not Uber to drive. Uber is a a German comic actually. He's the artist on it. And uh, I I use my latest purchase, Miss Howard's or excuse me, Doctor Howard's Encyclopedia to look that one up. Our friend, our friend, uh, our ever prescient friend from the West Coast, Left Coast, John Hutton. He reminds me that you know when I mentioned the the, the soldier with these exploits it was Henry Johnson. Henry Johnson was the soldier's name, and uh, I think he was given like uh, posthumously, I guess the president, the, like the Medal of Freedom. I forgot the exact. I mean, I, you know, I got to get Medal of Valor. I think it was, but it was many, 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 many decades after he actually performed this on the battlefield. But at the time, he had gotten accolades from the French, but at some point. Other soldiers that performed in this manner, the American government said, "You better lay low." Telling the French, because they were, you know, they were they were uh, fighting. They would they would lend out these or lease out these soldiers to uh, their allies, and um, they would do all these things. And then he would tell the tell the uh, French, "Hey, you know, knock it off. Let's not have these these Negroes thinking that they're equal to us." I mean, that's just. I mean. And then, you know, the, the, these soldiers also um, being instrumental, the black soldiers freeing, freeing, freeing the, the, the Jewish um, victims of the Holocaust, Dachau, Auschwitz, and what have you. And then the, the, the white German POWs would be able to be transported and sit in, in um, trains in the front of the black soldiers. Or even when it was like uh, time to eat, like in a lunchroom setting, the, so, the white the white German POWs would be able to eat with the white soldiers, but not the black ones. I mean, it's, that's the that's the kind of insanity that black folks had to deal with, and be and being patriotic at the same time. But when you kneel, all of a sudden, all that is never discussed with these people. Like but why we why work. we are who we are. Our experience is not your experience. The Medal of Honor. Yeah, that's what uh, John John Hutton has, has told uh, given us uh, told us. Pardon me, the Medal of Honor. But this this is many like eighty years after the man had you know succumbed and and, and performed defeat. I mean it's 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 effery. It is what it is. Um, these these folks know what the deal is. They just don't want to hear from you. They don't care what your reasons are. That's what's even more disrespectful to to us. They don't care why you're not why you're not complying. They don't care. All right, we got about 21 minutes remaining. Um, there's something that I thought was was interesting. Um, well, let me, let me, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce around a little bit. This this is something that, that that bothers me a bit. I've been noticing, like when you go to these, um, this is about black media now. I'm talking about black media on the internet because now the inter- the internet is everything. We can we can forget about print media. Even New York Times, uh, the Washington Post, the New York Post, they're online. So when you see like uh, a website like The Root, which used to be Dr. Henry Lewis, Lewis Gates's, I, I don't know how much of an affiliation he has with it. I know that that, that was also I think from the Washington Times, and then there there was some kind of sale. To Univision, so Univision owns the route, and there might have been yet another sale. I don't know, but it definitely doesn't feel 
like, like black ownership. Because I'm looking at these stories, and these stories are like just puff pieces. They're, they're, they're just... They're just like nothing story. The stories don't have any meaning. I'm looking at uh, um, Young Smart Brothers, which I remember as a fairly popular blog. So those gentlemen were able to segue that blog into, uh, into, I guess, monies and connections. And now Young Smart Brothers is under the root umbrella. There There was a merger, so to speak. And I'm looking at like what's like... The articles seem to be a little too focused on what white people are doing. Very, very white focused, but I think it's just not healthy. White people and little, little like jabs. There's, there's a, even a kind of a, a jokey joke way of spelling white people. It's W Y P I P O. This, this snarkiness that I'm seeing. I'm like, black folks can't afford this. So I guess I'm putting it out to, to, to you and to uh, Captain and to our audience. Are they comfortable with what, with what is passing for black media? When you see an article, and we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, um, based on a tweet that, and I don't think I'm being, I, I don't think I'm being like overzealous or anything, this whole, this whole notion of black straight men are the white people of black people like that that meme that started out a year ago that ends up being that ends up resurfacing on the root or young smart brothers actually of the root it's i'm seeing more and more of these kind of frivolous articles when the world is cracking apart and we're talking about what white people need to be doing like it's a very snarky snarky article i'm like wait a minute is this black media <laughs> problem is the problem is we don't have our beetle test all right uh for folks that don't know Allison beetle writer uh blogger uh reporter she came up with a test for movies and for media where there's a, some some guidelines for a show when it involves women. Like, are they having a discussion about something that doesn't involve a man? Is they successful? And there was a whole big list of that. See, we don't have our version of that. Because everything is either revolving around white people, toxic masculinity, sports in some way, and then the very bottom getting that dollar. Any conversation in the root comes down to one of those four things. <laughs> if if you take if you look at the roots articles, everything comes to that. Now getting that dollar can go from anywhere from hip hop to art in general to movie, you know, but the, the <sighs> we don't have the radical article writers right now, all right? And I think, again, I brought up Jamel Hill before. I think what's happened to her has caused a whole lot of writers and stuff to just go, well, maybe we should tone this down a little bit. I mean, we don't want this to happen. Instead of having the civil rights 60s and 70s effect, 
where, hey, they tried to shut that down. Yo, let's stand up. They shut this one down. Let's put out five more. They can't shut us all down. They can't quiet us all up. That's what's being lost. So for every good article the root has, you get two to three more that just make you roll your eyes like, is this truly needed? I'm not saying that to be. Go ahead, Cap. Sorry about that. No, it's all right. Yeah, you're adding some color for short, for sure this time around. Definitely, sir. So I've said this before. You know, why you don't have these type of leaders or these great writers? You do have some great writers, but you had more in the past, I would say. The environment creates the individuals, all right? It's not just schooling. A lot of you are going to school. They'll say there's more black people going to school now than there were before. So it's not that. You need the environment, environment to create these type of individuals. When the white man and you understand is directly has his foot on your neck, not partially, not sideways, that's when those type of things develop because you have no choice because you're a people that know how to survive. You see, when you have people getting up, going to their Fortune 500 job, you proper Negroes. 80 grand, 90 grand, 100 grand, 150,000, 250,000, 300,000, right? That's right about where you stop. <laughs> and most of you, <laughs> you property goes right about there where most of you stop. When you have those type of options, you have a tendency to be very concerned with what white people are doing. And let's understand who you are at your core. When the white man isn't directly, he's indirectly, but I'm talking about directly. Indirectly always has its foot on your neck But talk about directly What are, what are you? You're a Eurocentric black So actually you're a derivative American black of the white person So you're very much interested In how they feel about you And what you do But when their foot is directly on your neck Now you have no choice But to go ahead and figure things out And do things from a different perspective You understand? And that's when all that writing and everything Comes about and these other things. It, it comes from the environment. We've got a different environment now. This is something I said, I was had this conversation with boxers, and they said, hey, you know there's no real good heavyweight uh, black boxers around? I said, yeah, you got one or two, but he said, not really. And, the, and I said to him, you know why? The big guy that can punch, who can move fluid, he does something else now. He gets a job. He may be rapping. You understand? He may be getting educated. Or he may be locked up. But at one given time, the options were less. So you have a bigger pool of these type of people to draw upon. Look who's running boxing these days. You see a lot of Latin people, right? Because these people, Mexican and from these other countries, they're stressed, and they still see that as a way of coming up. We still look at sports as coming up too, but not like how we used to. So they, when the environment changes, the people do change to a certain extent, whether we like it or not. You know? If that white guy turns around, the powers that be, because they're white, and you understand the foot is on, directly on your neck, you can't go to your $125,000 job, your $140,000 job, you proper Negro, tomorrow. You're going to see everything begin to change in what you also read. <laughs> so you're saying they got comfortable. I just said the environment is a bit different. 
That's all. The environment creates it. That's all. Well, I, I, my issue, and I'm looking at, I'm literally on the Root website, and almost every other story is so race-intensive. I'm talking about race as far as white people aren't doing this, white people need to be doing that. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a, a type of snarkiness uh, where there's no information being disseminated. I mean, we're at the point now where we need to be, we need to have, we need to have sharp media, but, it, it, you know, New York Times doesn't look like this. But the root, which, again, the root came from Dr. Henry Louis Gates. I love his um, his uh, gene- genealogical um, TV shows on PBS. I mean, this guy, I, I, you know, I could talk about how he acted during the whole uh, beer summit thing. That's one thing. But as far as, you know, his, 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 his bona fides, um, being a Harvard professor and so forth, I can't take that away from him. And the fact that he started The Root, and I wasn't in complete agreement with The Root before, but at least I saw, I did see that the stories, for the most part, had a, more of a serious nature to them. And now that it's under someone else's um, ownership, it, it's complete nignoggery. Like, it's, it, it's like there's no information going on here. And I'm seeing that this is being, I mean, if you factor in the world star hip-hops, the bossips, the media takeouts, I mean, I, I'm not seeing what I think, and I'm going to say me. I'm, I'm not going to say what everybody. I'm going to say me personally. What I would want to see from a serious black news organization, because we're at, at this time we are in desperate need of that. I will say this: there are some people who are taking it upon themselves with their YouTube. Some of them with their YouTube imprints, and maybe what even what we're doing. I'll, I'll even top ourselves. And give you more information, having real discussions. Even when it comes to pop culture stuff, there's other things going on. Uh, I find it odd to this to this day that, aside from let's say the Atlanta Black Star, AtlantaBlackStar.com is another media outlet that I think is halfway halfway. They talk about stuff that's going on going on in Africa. They may go into a few race stories, a few. But not like every other story that the root post is like some kind of racial, something that white people aren't doing, some some kind of snarky, half humorous, uh, black version of Bill O'Reilly piece. That, we don't need that. We just don't need that. But the, but if, when you think of um, the Daily Beast or the Huffington Post or even um, what is the what is that uh, oh, man? What is that? That, uh, I think it's an HBO series where they go into like Africa and I mean they, they like really is it oh, I can't think of it right now anyway we need something like that we need something that's far more serious we, we need a, a black tech black science uh, black pop culture where you, where you have these discussions about the Black Panther and science fiction uh, you know black medicine you know they, what what the hell I don't need to hear what, what uh, uh, Nene Leakes is doing. We, we're getting that mixed up, or what, what one of the uh, Braxtons is doing. I mean, this is what's going on now uh, at the root. I just wanna, I'm just putting it out there for our listenership to pay close attention to these media operations. Maybe you want to start writing letters uh, or uh, even maybe letting us know. Maybe there's some things that we've overlooked 
whether it's a story or um, an, an outlet. Maybe there's, maybe there is an alternative outlet that we are unaware of. But we, we can't continue. I think Black American Web or Black America Web is one. I mean, we have a few websites, but we need something far more serious than some of these other sites that just seem to be, I don't know what's going on, but it's, 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 it's in bad shape. It's, so you can definitely uh, find us at Twitter, um, at Afronerd Radio, or uh, through email, you still find, at Afronerd Radio, uh, pardon me, um, Afronerd Blog, Afronerd Blog, one word, Afronerd Blog at Yahoo.com, Afronerd Blog at Yahoo.com. Um, we got about eight minutes remaining. Um, let's, let's still continue. Let's, pu- let's push forward. This is one thing we never really got a chance to get into. Um, this is frightening also. Did, did, did you hear about this thing? I'm just p- putting it out there. Did you hear about this thing with the, uh, the FBI actually the, – the, an FBI file? This is going back a couple of weeks. That – this is I, assuming under the Trump administration that put out the notion that there's a growing – amount of black identity extremists like even the term black identity extremism or black identity extremists i think it's a way of being coy about black lives matter but people were scratching their heads like and saying what is it what is what the hell is that black identity extremists not new hoover Go back to Hoover. Go back to remember MLK was MLK was considered a terrorist. You know, or excuse me, not a terrorist, uh, uh, subversive cap. Was that the right word? Right. Yeah. So I I totally expected that. <laughs> I totally when it came to Black Lives Matter and and how the we the images we saw in the news and stuff like that, I've been expecting that. You know, and and but but here's the thing, where we here are able to have the discourse on both sides of the matter. When it comes to the government, they see you one way, or you're a friend. There is no pros and cons either way. You know, it's just threat level or ally. Enough said. Yeah, I think Afrona, you're an extremist. By the way, Afrona is the word guy, not me. That's the guy you go to with all the yeah. words. <laughs> anyway, you're joking, but Afrona, I think you're an extremist, but it's a low-level threat at this given point. Yeah, yeah, you're that guy. You're that guy. You're an extremist. Well, you're not hey. a terrorist, but you're an extremist. You're a low-level threat. Low-level threat at this point. Hey, <laughs> look at look look at look at this show. We have a rational thinker, Captain. We have an extremist. Uh, that that that's Afro nerd, and we have an anarchist. Yours truly. That's how we work here at Afro Nerd Radio. You know, it's so crazy what you said. You're an anarchist. I'm about to say I don't believe that. I don't consider myself an extremist. I have been called controversial. Though. I I have been called controversial. Yeah, you are. Though. Low, low level though. Low level. You're still some circle behind you, Afro nerd. Hey, mostly, by, mostly by black women. <laughs> Am I called controversial? Well, that's, that's, you know. let, me, let me tell you something, Afrodert. Let's just say, all of a sudden, you had 100 million pumped into you annually. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> With that, at that power level, you know, from an outside source. 
Oh, the shows would be getting deep and heavy. No, forget about that. Forget about that. In respect to this, and the money has to go into this. I don't know. I don't know. And you don't have to answer to anybody, but anybody, but the people where the money's coming from. You don't have to answer the advertisers or anything else. I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Wait, we we'd have that slot from ten to one, and we'd warn viewers and listeners one time. Yeah, if you have closed minds, don't enter. Oh, Abandon God. all hope. How come we can't enter. shut them down? How come we can't shut them down? Oh, <laughs> shut up. Keep going. Let me tell you something. About this. Wait, wait. What? What? It was. Wait, the Christian, the Christian Slater movie where he was the pirate radio dude. That was pump up the volume, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, we would be doing yeah. the 2017 version if he had that sort of fun. We we can't find these Afro nerd guys. They were on this roof a while ago, and we'd be laughing in our hover cars and stuff, rolling from building to building. The, the revolution shall not be untelevised. I I'm, told I'm assuming you need those to get your act together. <laughs> I, I'm assuming those hover cars are the ones that we see at the intro for the Johnny Quest cartoon. Yes, essentially, yes, yes, because you'd yeah. pump money into to just fashioning like two of them. You know, <laughs> all all I need is a hoverboard. All right, hey, kids out there, not the hoverboards you see on TV today, because those roll. I'm talking about Back to the Future, baby. Because, I mean, you know, you know how I have to bring things into pop culture. Why, why haven't they brought back like the Johnny Quest? Like they need to go back to the 1964 version of Johnny Quest or even Space Ghost. Well, that's a but good that, series. I was, I, was I, I loved that series. I mean, good. it was very adult. You know what well, I mean? I'm, I was serious. I'm crossing fingers because there's a little scholar bought among the Warner Brothers about how well. Future Quest and all of the updated versions of the Hanna-Barbera properties were taken. Mm-hmm. All right? There's been a little scuttlebutt. I'm not going to say that, that, that oh, they're going to have new series, but there's been talks. And then when you put into thing that they're talking about the live-action Jetsons and all of that, just keep your ear to the tracks on this one. All right, guys. Oh, man. It's almost time for us to get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to say this one quick thing. We've got the close shot. Uh, and, D- Daryl, definitely uh, a, a, a very interesting addition to the midweek. Um, here, I, don't, I don't think folks hear enough of you in this type of format, so it's a, it's a very good thing. Um, like I said, an anarchist. <laughs> but this black identity extremist thing, I think this is a way for Trump to equivocate even more, more so than he did during the uh, Charlottesville fiasco. Because now, if anyone can be construed as a black identity extremist, then that's basically saying, well, these black guys are essentially the same as these Nazis. So to all you can you can wipe your hands and, and it's just it's the way. I mean, it's definitely what's going on. Yep. Because no matter like how you, you no matter how like you Cap think said. about Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, they are not the Klan. Mm-hmm. They are not the Klan. Mm-hmm. Like Cap said, deflection, distraction. Well, to our listeners, I hope they have their third eye open. Always remain discerning. We've got about a minute remaining, so we're going to have to close shop at this point. Uh, of course, we will go, get into our pop culture talk. Maybe we'll get into this, this notion of uh, Johnny Quest 2018. I don't know. 
I, I want to see the cartoon. No new, so, not, not so up today. I want to see it like like serious. Anyway, uh, Space Coast Two. No more, no more Space Coast to Coast crap. No. Okay. Anyway, um, just as a reminder to our audience, be vigilant, be discerning, and be careful because now they're getting to the point that anybody can be a Black Identity extremist, even after the radio could be put into that label. Who are we? We're lovable. Okay. <laughs> to, to some. To some. All right, folks. Daryl, as always, man. Uh, welcome addition to the to the midweek review. Cap. Everybody. Saturday, 6 p.m. It's been real. This is uh, uh, Leon Bridges, smooth sailing. Saturday, 6 p.m., folks. Sunday. Sunday. Up. Uh, Sunday.